0: Geeks Sea Level Podcast
1: with your hosts
0: Stan Drayev
1: and Nick Braccia. Welcome to the MMA Geeks c Level Podcast. This is your host, Stan Drive, with my co-host Nick Braccia, here to break down this weekend's UFC on ESPN Plus, etc. etc. where in the main event, we have Joseph Benavidez facing off with Figueiredo for the lightweight championship. We're also gonna go over last week's UFC on ESPN plus 26 Felder versus Hooker. A pretty great main event between those two lightweights. Nick, how was your week, buddy?
0: Sorry, right, man. It's been busy, it's been wild, it's been crazy. This is episode 51. Yes, sir. And uh, yeah, and we got the fights coming up from Norfolk. Interesting card. Um, you know, between Felder versus Hooker, the main event there, and then Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, was a pretty good night for fights on Saturday. i um, looking forward to breaking this one down with you. Also, uh, I guess it's worth noting that I won one, I lost one, right? And then this week, we, I thought I was about to bounce back, and I guess we tied. Uh, we were each four and two. Of course, you uh, you lost two. You had two decisive losses, and I had two razor-thin split decisions. But you know that's how it goes sometimes. in L is an L.
1: I've got three wins. You've got one, and we've got one draw, Nikolai. I'll take those uh, decisions that came, you know, gave me that tie by the skin of my teeth, Nikolai.
0: It really was by the it really was by the skin of your teeth. But we'll get into that.
1: Yes, sir. We had uh, Dan Hooker versus Paul Felder this last weekend. About as exciting a fight I think as you can ask of these two. It's probably not going to be a fight of the year contender, but Solid five rounder from two guys that haven't really been five rounds before. What are your thoughts on this one, buddy?
0: I thought it was a terrific and exciting fight. It, um, Hooker did better than I f- thought he would. I still, I, I, frankly, I had the fight a draw. Um, I thought the fifth round was extremely even. Um, I was leaning towards Felder, but I I guess I'm okay. I was comfortable calling it a draw. But the fights in New Zealand, and from a narrative perspective, Hooker they were do nothing takedowns, but he landed those takedowns. And the optics of the end of the fight in his homeland were that Dan Hooker was in charge. So I don't really, I don't really have beef with the decision. The majority of online judges, as aggregated on MMAdecisions.com. Uh, selected Felder the winner, but you know I don't really have a pr- I don't really have a problem with it. It was a th- it was a real thriller of a fight with Hooker using um, his movement and his length, and Felder taking a little while to get started, uh, maybe a little longer than he wanted to. But once he bit down on the mouthpiece and and uh, found his range towards the middle of the second round. You know, there were about seven and a half minutes of a fight where he really took over. Um, it was it was a great, you know, great competitive fight. Uh, the other thing is that like like GSP and some other guys, Felder's just a guy who's, whose face gets marked up. He he hit Dan Hooker a heck of a lot in the face. Um, but Felder, you know, by the I guess early by the early in the second round, looked like he'd been hit by a truck. It's just, you know, I, I just think some guys are they've got different skin. Um, they've got different levels of scar tissue. Um, but to the judges, it's very hard to um, not look at fighters' faces to tell the story.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I watched the fight, and I did score it. Like, I honestly had trouble scoring it live. I probably gave the ever-so-slightest edge to Hooker because I assumed that he won the first two rounds and the last round. Um, and I ended up actually re-watching the fight on my commute today between a couple of trips and I concluded that at least in my opinion on the rewatch hooker did deserve the decision but by the smallest of margins that first round was clearly hookers he was busy oh yeah yeah he was doing his thing there's not much question about that one And I think every other round in this fight could be up for debate that second round I genuinely I disagree maybe that fourth round was for Felder clearly I'm um, was it the third or the fourth?
0: It was the right, the, definitely, fourth. the fourth round. Definitely yeah. the fourth, yeah. Because that That's third round,
1: I initially scored for uh, Felder. And then on rewatch, I scored it for Hooker, um, especially after I found out that Hooker did land more in that third round. So basically the first round was Hooker's. I don't think there's much debate about that. Fourth round, yep. uh, to your point, was Felder's. And then that second, yep. third, and fifth were the ones that were up in the air. That second yep. round. Very that close. Is, yeah. That second round is the one that I would call a 10-10 round if I've ever heard of one, Nick. When I, saw the, when I saw it on rewatch, that's what I concluded. And then looking at the statistics for the fight, Nick, you'll never believe it. They each landed exactly 26 strikes in that second round. That's how close it was. So I have no problem giving that second round to Felder. So let's say first round Hooker, second round Felder. That third round on rewatch, I thought that Hooker took it. He landed 39 strikes to Felder's yep. 28. And, and so that puts Hooker in the driver's seat at the end of three rounds. Felder came back roaring in that fourth round, landed 10 more strikes than did uh, Hooker. And then in that fifth round, Nick, in an extremely close round on the feet, right, where maybe uh, Hooker landed two or three more strikes, according to the stats at least. But it looked extremely even on the feet. Hooker took him down successfully, kept him down for a bit of time, and even passed and, and got a dominant position at one point, I think, I agree that if one guy outstrikes the other and lands more damage and he gets taken down and controls for a bit and then gets back up, it's not a big deal. But when the fight is extremely close and one guy gets a takedown and gets dominant position, I think you've got to give it to him. So for that reason, I'm edging toward Hooker, but I have no problem with the argument going the other way. It was just
0: so close. My only argument for Felder in the fifth is that he had a lot more steam on his shots. I can see hooker, that that's fair. Yeah, uh, hooker hooker's, hooker's shots did not have much on them after the third round. They really didn't. Um, but that take you know, I that those takedowns are what they were, and they happened at a really bad time. If they had happened in the middle of the round and Felder had gotten up and then landed some leather, maybe right. it's different. But I agree. But I mean super, super close. It's not by no means by no means a robbery.
1: I agree. See, like here's the thing about a robbery. Like we, we always say this and I've gotten into the habit of saying it too about Most decisions that people disagree with, it's not a robbery. I mean, a robbery would need to be if, like, you manhandled me for three rounds and the judges give it to me, right? That's a robbery. That's extremely rare. It almost never happens. This fight, definitely not a robbery. Um, I just think a a, a fight in which most people think one person won, even if it's by a close margin, if that's not a robbery, maybe nothing is. Um, This fight could – I think you could easily make the argument – of going either way. I think you can make a compelling argument for either guy winning. Um, Whereas the Jones-Reyes fight, I at least, on watching it, uh, and I haven't rewatched that one, I thought that it was fairly clear that the first three rounds went to one guy, but the other guy did fairly well in the last minute or so of rounds two and three. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah, a really good main event by these guys, and it's a shame to hear talk about Felder possibly retiring after this one. I assume it was just kind of emotion after the fight.
0: I don't think it's a shame at all. I mean, what is he, 34?
1: Yeah, he's in his mid 30s.
0: Great fighter, very smart guy. Seems like he still has his scruples about him. He's a terrific commentator and he wants to see his kid more. The fact of the matter is he's not going to he's not going to beat Khabib Nurmagomedov. He's just yeah. not. He doesn't have the style or the ability. He's, you know, on the he's a he's a top I mean, you could say that I I would say that he's kind of tied for a top five fighter. I've got no problem seeing him on the outskirts of of the top five. And he's a fan favorite. He's tremendous to watch. He's been around, I don't know what, five or six years now. And it's not, you know, it's not like he's going to get a red panty night. So it's all it's his decision what he wants to do with his life and what he wants to sacrifice. And the fact of the matter is he's a really great commentator. And if he's got a job with the UFC, making a salary, traveling around the world, um, and gets to hang out with his daughter more without doing training camps. That sounds like a, a win-win. Not not too many guys, um, you know, get to go thirty and zero and and wear the gold and command, you know, multi-million dollar paydays.
1: No, you're right. And I guess really, it's more for selfish reasons. Can he make a good living being a commentator for the UFC? Absolutely. He's well liked by UFC brass. He's well liked by his colleagues, and he's well liked by his fellow fighters. And I think maybe that might be a little bit of a factor in why most of the media scored it for him, much more so than for Hooker. Again, a close fight. You would think that it would be pretty close to even. Um, but I do think that Felder is is pretty well tied to, to the media, to, to, to the UFC bosses, to all of those people. And so it makes sense that a lot of folks would be rooting for him. He's a really nice guy. He's an exciting fighter. And let me tell you something, something Nick. He used to be a fairly slow fighter. He used to have trouble cutting weight. He looked like a different person in this one. He looked way faster than he ever has before. His conditioning was on point. He said his weight cut was the best that it ever has been. So it would be a shame to see a talent like that go by the wayside. I think if we start talking about guys that have no shot against Khabib retiring, then there will probably be three people in the division left but you're right. He's 35 years old. He's got a career kind of lined up that he's ready for, that that he's firing on all cylinders yeah. on. So nothing wrong with that. But it would be a shame to see such a talented guy hang up those gloves yeah. uh, prematurely.
0: It is. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I would also say I don't see him beating Tony Ferguson or Conor McGregor either. Um, not, but, not likely. Uh, Although this
1: version of him against McGregor, it's possible. The guy doesn't get hurt easily. Like, he's got an exceptional chin. And he so does. Uh, I can certainly see him taking the left hand for about four minutes if he needs to, worst case, and then taking over the fight after that. It's possible. Connor's not uh, untouchable after that first five-minute mark.
0: Um, still, really, really exciting fight. Made made the card. The rest of the card, um, I don't know. Some of it was kind of depressing. Let's just run through it.
1: I do I do quickly, Nick. Uh, oh, yeah, go real, ahead. Real quick, uh, the matchmaking. If, oh, Gagey. If Felder does, uh, and that's for Hooker. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I love that. I think that's phenomenal. I think that, that makes a lot of sense unless Gaethje's holding out for something bigger. How about for Felder if he does come back? What are your thoughts on that? Hmm. Um, there was talk about his I- Quinta. I mean, that's a good
0: fight. They both lost to, um, you know, Hooker uh, by decision recently. Um, You know, the loser of Khabib Ferguson is interesting to me. Um. Cerrone interesting to me. He hasn't fought Cerrone yet, has he?
1: No, they're actually friends. I don't think they fight.
0: Oh, okay. Cerrone um, kind of got
1: him in, into the UFC, if I understand it correctly.
0: Wow. Let's see.
1: We've got Kevin Lee, who has a fight booked. Um, I like Quinta, Diego Ferrer. Uh, yeah, I mean... Unless he wants to be a stepping stone or take the chance of being a stepping stone against Ferreira, I would say that it's Ally Quinter or the women of that, uh, the winner of that Kevin Lee matchup. I forget who he's about to fight, Nick. Can you recall?
0: Kevin Lee is about, oh my God. It's, um,
1: I'm looking it up right now.
0: I'm going to beat you to it.
1: Charles Oliveira.
0: Charles, yeah, yeah.
1: Oh man, yeah. The, the winner, the winner or loser of that fight, I think would be great for Felder. I agree. That's awesome. Yeah, so we got the matchmaking out of the way. Uh, You were quickly running down the card. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, yeah. uh, Jimmy
0: Crude absolutely steamrolled uh, Mikhail, uh, I'll let you say the Polish last name. Oleg Sejcik,
1: I believe. Oleg Sejcik.
0: Yeah, that was a steamrolling. Uh, Very depressing was uh, Jan Jan Janan completely, completely uh, beat up uh, Carolina uh, Kolokovic. Kovalevich. Man, we got yeah. some names on this card. I was really hoping that KK would, uh, would show up and do something, but she just got out-muscled everywhere. I don't know if she's off off magic syrup. I don't know what's going on, but I do not need to see her fight again. She's so likable.
1: So she has some kind of a thyroid issue, Nick, as it turns out. Is that what's going on? Yeah. Apparently, she's been battling with it for a while. And about six months ago, leading up to this fight, she became a vegan, and she talked about how that Apparently has helped her and she feels so much better now, but man. It didn't look like it
0: No, She got ragdolled. She got beat up everywhere Um, You and I both uh, thought Ben Sisoli in his home turf um, May have some thunder for Marcos Rogerio de Lima did not turn out that way Um, the fight between uh, Brad Brad Riddell probably won his fight on the strength of a first down a first-round flash knockdown um, against Magomed uh, Mustafaev, which was a great fight. Um, probably could have gone either way, but with that with that knockdown being the most... Um, consequential uh, thing in the uh, fight. Conce- yeah. Yes, the most consequential moment in the fight, uh, no problem giving that to Brad Riddell, that split decision. That was the one that I lost. Uh, Yalen Turner starched uh, Josh uh, uh Zubihir uh, uh, Tokogov Tuk- beat Kevin Aguiar. Yeah. Uh Emil Meek didn't look terrible, but Jake Matthews had was more than enough for him. Um, Song Keenan put down Colin Parter, Kaikara France outdueled Tyson Nam. Um, Angela Hill took on Loma me and uh, won her her second fight of 2020 already. She's just next. She
1: is six fights deep in the last 11 months. It's insane. I know.
0: She's yeah. She's she's now the she's the she's the female Cerrone, um, and she's getting it done. And she comes out of these fights healthy and is ready to scrap again. That's terrific. Uh, Sato Patolo got canceled, and you you picked Shayna Dobson to beat Priscilla. Uh, ra I did also and Kara yeah, was sick. She, she was she was sick of being doubted and she just she had shown really nothing in her previous fight she had shown a little bit of fire but not a lot of skill and she just like came in with an uppercut and just boom so that was yeah. the that, that was the card not I mean you know not a lot of not a lot of top 15 or even top 20 fights um on this card outside of the first couple uh, or the top out of the side of the top few I should say
1: yeah, I do want to quickly cover Kaikara France, who should be ranked. Uh, I believe he is. Oh, yeah, um,
0: he's got he's, he's got to be ranked at that weight class.
1: Yeah, uh, he he looked pretty good. And, and I don't know if you have anything particular in mind for him next, but he redeemed himself after that performance against a guy who's really been underrated for a while and Brandon Moreno. That was his only loss in the UFC at this point in his career. He's 4-1 in the promotion, so there's nothing to be ashamed of there. And Brandon Moreno firing on all cylinders at this point in his career – uh, that's a guy that's really going places. I think in the division, uh, not a whole lot to be ashamed of by losing to the bigger man in that case. But he well, really I would
0: good. Yeah, I put him in. Well, I guess they're not going to let Borg fight again at 125, so he can't fight nah, Borg. Even no though way. that would make, even though that would make a lot of sense because Borg just fought. Uh, right. Maybe uh, maybe Oscar Oskarov uh, makes a lot of sense. Yes, I like that. Or I know they like. I don't. I know they don't like to match up winners and losers. But maybe even the loser of this title fight um, would be interesting. But I think Oscar, uh, Oscar Oscarov is the better is the better fight.
1: I agree, especially since Oscar actually lost or went to a draw with the only guy in the UFC to beat Kaikar France and Brandon Moreno. So that makes it particularly interesting. Uh, if he gets that win, maybe he can, you know, has the position to ask for a rematch if he wants it. Angela right, right. Hillman um, versus Loma. That was a good fight. Angela did her thing in the first. Uh, three quarters of the fight, and then Loma looked really good in that last round as she poured that pressure on. I think Loma's somebody to really watch, uh, even in this loss in this oh, situation. Yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing her compete again. And outside of that, um, Zubaira Tukhugov looked really good against Aguilar. Just a first round shellacking, man. That was very impressive, considering Aguilar is known for having a really good chin. And yeah, I think I think that about covers it. I do want to quickly say, Mikhail Oleksyevych is now officially like a in my mind. The Sokuju type, he came in and just blasted through some guys in the UFC and looked like a real world beater, going 3-0, although that one fight against Roundtree was turned into a no contest, going 3-0 with two first-round finishes. And then, man, he just faced the biggest, most athletic, light heavyweights that he's faced thus far. And it showed us that, one, his ground game is definitely lacking off his back, and, two, the man needs to move down to 185 where he's not fighting 6-4, 225. Two hundred thirty-five yeah. pound monsters. I wouldn't
0: even say so, could you I'd say that's some Houston Alexander shit off of his back.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it's also It is also against like skilled guys. Croot is right, really right. respected on the ground. I think he's a brown belt, if not a black belt. And uh, it's not like it's not well, like. Tiago, remember, Thiago
0: Silva. Tiago Silva was the guy that exposed Houston Alexander on the ground.
1: Was it? Yeah, that's right. Back in the day, it was the ground-and-pound knockout finish. I remember that. Good times, Nikolai. So that'll do it for this card, Nikolai. We've got UFC on ESPN Plus 27 to break down, where Benavidez squares off with Figueredo. We're going to get into our draft picks next. This is for the dozens and dozens of the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast listeners. Knowing that you're a bunch of social media influencers, mavens, and mentors, I'd like to ask you to use your prestige to let people know about the podcast. We put a lot of work and research into this series, and we'd love to grow our listenership and expose more people to it. If you know someone who's into MMA but has not given us a listen, give them a heads up. I mean, who doesn't want to hear Nick and I taking turns boasting about the prior week's results? Am I right? And we are back to the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast. Nick Rochas Stan drive here. We're going to break down this coming UFC card, headlined by a flyweight title fight between Joseph Benavidez and Davison Figueiredo. Nikolai, our draft pick system, I hope our listeners know by now, works like this. You and I take turns picking fighters that are competing on the card. Uh, at the end of the event, whichever of us has the highest number of winning fighters ends up winning the week. Thus far, we're 3-1-1. In my favor, Nikolai, let's get into it. Last week was uh, you got the first pick, and so this week... Oh, no. Oh, yeah. This week, I get to take the only clear-cut favorite, I think, that really deserves to be a big favorite on the card, and that's Felicia Spencer to beat uh, Zara Fairn dos Santos by first-round submission. Felicia is an exemplary grappler, especially for 145. Uh, she toughed it out against Cyborg, and so she showed that she can be the nail, too, if she needs to, and she never gave up in that fight. I thought that was impressive. And Zara actually got submitted in the first round by the person in Megan Anderson that was submitted by Felicia Spencer in the first round. So by MMA math, Nicolai, it should be Felicia Spencer all the way in the first on this one.
0: Yeah, that was going to be my first pick also. So,
1: <laughs>
0: so thanks for that. Um, so now I've got to choose between my two and three, which were kind of tied. I'm going to go with uh, Grant Dawson, who looks so good uh, with, I guess, what could be called an upset victory over Mike Trezano um, a little bit under a year ago. And he's taking on um, Derek Miner uh, in what I believe is his UFC debut. Um, you know, he was not the contender series. He lost to Herbert Burns who recently uh, had a victory. So no, you know, no real shame in that. Um, and he's, he's a pretty, you know, pretty experienced guy, but, um, I don't think he's as qualified out there as Mike Trezano uh, was coming off of his tough victory. And I just, uh, I liked the way that Grant Dawson looked in that fight.
1: Yeah, I'm on the same page on that pick with you, and that was going to be my next pick, so we're very much in line thus far. So yeah, Grant Dawson comes in with a little bit of a height and reach advantage, three inches on each side. The thing is that both these guys fight extremely similarly. Derek Miner kind of does to the local fighters what Grant Dawson has been able to do at the UFC level thus far, where he just pressures them with striking and grappling until he can catch a submission or ground a pound. Um, I expect Grant Dawson to be able to do his thing here, especially because Grant Dawson got two and a half months notice for this fight and minor took this fight on nine days notice. So that in particular, I think is going to really play into Dawson's favor. Uh, I like Grant Dawson here as well. My next pick, Nikolai is going to be.
0: Don't do it.
1: Megan Anderson. God be damn Norma you. Norma Dumont Viana. Nick. Megan Anderson has her holes, especially when it comes to high-level fighters like Holly Holm in that 135, 140-pound division range. Here, she's fighting a girl that, you know, she's she's got four fights. She's got four wins, and they're against pretty mediocre competition. Uh, She's three inches shorter than Anderson, and she normally fights at 135. So in order for her to come into the UFC, she had to kind of take this big step up in not only competition but in weight. Uh, I like Megan Anderson, who's the much bigger fighter here to piece her upstanding. Now, her opponent in this case, uh, Norma, is on the grappling scene. She's competing all the time. It's still against pretty low-level opposition. So I guess there's a chance that she can exploit Megan's somewhat questionable ground game. But Megan's been working on it. She's been looking better. And I like the fact that she trains with that Glory MMA and fitness team with James Krause and the crew. So I like Megan Anderson to pick up a finish here.
0: Yeah, that was my next pick. We were we're all lined up so far on our one, two, and three. Uh, let's see if our fourth picks are lined up. I've got Ismail Nordiev uh, taking on Sean Brady. The odds are pretty close here, but what Nordiev showed in his, um, you know, in his victories over Michelle Pre- uh, Michelle and Sihar C- uh, Bad- uh, Man. The names today. Zuzuda um, you know, and then he had that, he had that really lopsided loss against chance for country, but I don't think Sean Brady is a chance for country. And I just, i really like the way that this 20, the 23 year old Austrian wonder boy, um, looks, I think he's got a huge upside and I actually think the odds here are closer than they should be. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I'm on the same page as far as the pick, but I'm not entirely sure what to make of Sean Brady yet. Like I haven't really seen any holes in the guy and he has gotten takedowns throughout his mma career before coming into the ufc and squaring off with longtime veteran court mcgee, McGee. uh yeah he he was able to outstrike court mcgee man he court mcgee is generally a pressure fighter with high output this man landed eight strikes per minute on court but he took seven from court mcgee and you can't really take that level uh, that number of strikes from Somebody like uh, Nardiev. so I'm on the same page here with you. Nardiev generally likes a lower pace fight so I could see the pressure getting to him. Generally, when you're fighting a taller opponent, Nick, what you want to do is close the distance and pressure constantly give them something to think about and get, and ha- make them fight at a range that they're less comfortable with so the style matchup here may favor sean brady if he is the right kind of pressure fighter but i like smile and rdf to have the higher level of stand-up ability also to have a slight reach and a couple inches in height advantage so we're on the same page there uh, my next pick is going to be it's between a couple of fights here i'm going to go with Luis Pena to beat Alexander Munoz.
0: Yep, I had that also, but not next. I had that down a little bit.
1: Yeah, L- Luis Pena is really big for the division. Um, he comes in here, I think, at 6'3 at 155 pounds. He had a bit of a stint there at 145, couldn't make weight really, so they had to send him back up to this division. Steve Garcia is actually a really talented guy. He's a pressure fighter, has serious power in his hands. Very confident striker, and he's six feet tall. He's not exactly much shorter than uh, Pena with a one inch reach disadvantage. The thing is that Steve Garcia used to fight at 135, and then he had to move up to 145 because he missed that weight once, right? And now he's taking this fight on short notice at 155. So I expect Pena to have quite a bit of a size advantage. And that is on top of the fact that Garcia is taking this fight, Nick, on five days' notice. He's, yeah. act- he's actually kind of a long-time mainstay of the uh, of the Greg Jackson, Wickle John team. So I expect that he gets more attention than the average guy that's just passing through. And again, he's he's a solid fighter. I just feel like this is a bad first fight for him in the promotion. So I like Pena to pick up a decision win.
0: After this, I'm going to go uh, – I'm with you on that. I had the exact same pick with Violent Bob Ross. Um, I'm going to go to the main event, and I'm going to take Joe Jitsu, uh, Joseph Benavidez to – finally become flyweight champion wear a belt after all these years in a Zufa organization um by probably winning a decision over Davison uh, Figueiredo who's a who's a really really good fighter he has he has been solved and aside from you know Demetrius Johnson in a very very close fight where he didn't quite seem himself but still could have won uh and that split decision to Sergio Pettis like people don't outfight fight Joseph Benavides he's he he can game plan on the fly. He's good everywhere. Um, he's got, I think, more paths to victory, and um, I just think it's I think it's finally his time. I'll be very surprised if he doesn't walk away with the belt after all of this.
1: This one was certainly down on the list for me. I saw this as largely a pick 'em, and that's because Davidson Figueroa, the only weakness that we've seen. For him thus far was in his matchup against Jose Formiga, who, you know, showed him some striking moments and then was able to shoot under Davidson's offense to get some takedowns and ride out top control. Do I think Benavides is capable of doing this? Yes. The thing is that Benavides is not patient. He gives you so much at all times. He's constantly throwing strikes, going for takedowns, etc. He's so busy and Davidson Figueiredo is an expert at countering. And he counters specifically when you're waiting in with your offense, especially with that switch step uh, offense that Benavidez likes to throw. And I can see Davidson landing a big right hand as Benavidez comes in. That's Davidson expertise, especially in the first two rounds. In that third round, fourth and fifth, certainly, I expect Davidson to be exhausted. So if Davidson can't catch Benavidez with a big right hand on the way in, in the first two rounds, I expect that Benavidez will out-hustle, out-wrestle, out-pressure Figueroa, and show that he's the more conditioned fighter. But I see the risk in the matchup.
0: There's risk, but also keep in mind that exactly one man has put Joseph Benavidez down, and he's the greatest flyweight of all time, and arguably the greatest fighter of all time.
1: That's that's fair, but he was knocked out cold by a guy that doesn't really get knockouts almost ever.
0: Yeah, remember, um, precision, what did Conor McGregor say? Um, Timing and precision beat speed and power.
1: Yeah, but Conor can say that. He has all four of those things. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah, no, I, I do hear where you're coming from, and I do hope you're right. The thing is that Benavidez defensively on his way in is not great. His head is right in the center line. Um, there's a couple of the uh, – who was T.J. Dillashaw's trainer who's uh, well-known for it, Nick? D- remind me. Dwayne,
0: Dwayne Bang Ludwig? Ludwig. Right. Uh,
1: Joseph has this Dwayne Bang Ludwig stylish of kind of waiting forward of, of, uh, of getting into his opponent's face. The thing is that he doesn't move his head – uh, move his head off the center line nearly enough, and that leaves him exposed to counters. That's where I have the concern, but I don't disagree with you. The likelihood is here that Joseph Benavidez will either get a late finish or a uh, a decision victory. I will say, though, Davidson Figueredo has spent some time with Team Alpha Male, right? And I, I don't expect that T, T, TAM was willing to train him for this fight against Joe, who's an old friend of theirs, even though he trains in Vegas now. I can, however, see several guys in a Team Alpha Male uh, group calling Benavidez and giving him some insight into the way that Figueiredo fights, some of his weaknesses, etc. Because in the training room, you get, tend to see a lot more of that than you do on fight night. So that's another thing that would be in Benavidez's favor. Uh, Nikolai, my next pick is going to be Magomed Ankalaev to beat Ian Kutelaba. Ian Kutelaba is extremely dangerous early in a fight. He is a fucking monster. In that first five minutes, and he throws absolutely all of his energy into those first few minutes. The thing is that if he doesn't finish you, if you're a veteran, if you're experienced enough to weather that storm, you're probably going to take over and finish him in that second or third round. Uh, worst case, take a decision. I think Magomedkhaliev's kicking game and his range game is good enough. I think he's going to stay relatively safe in the first few moments, although he will get clobbered a bit, and he has been down before, so the risk is there. I see it, but. I expect Magomed Clive to win a relatively safe decision here. He fought an extremely athletic opponent in his last fight as well, and uh, ended up t- getting him out in there in the third round. I expect the same, a similar performance here. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I'm kind of at a pick 'em with this. I mean, the, Mold- the Moldovan Ian Kutsalaba um, actually has a win about 18 months ago against one of his opponent's teammates. Uh, he took out Gadzim, Muradov, uh Adagulov. In, uh, I think he pounded him out in the first round as you might have mentioned. and I don't you know it makes you wonder what he, like if he's if he's crushed uh, if he crushed one of this guy's teammates, does that mean the guy's gonna come in extra prepared because of what happened to his buddy or does it mean that he's got the same faults? I don't know, but it had it certainly gave me pause that he had such a recent win over a
1: teammate. Um, I do hear that, but I will say that that teammate, Gatzemir, he's purely a grappler, and he has no gas tank either, so he's kind of, as long as he didn't submit Kutelaba in the first few moments of that fight, Kutelaba was going to smash him in the face. The guy is 2-2 two and two in the UFC, and his two wins are over a kind of mediocre competition, so not exactly somebody, you know, not exactly a similar stylistic fighter as Magomed Ankalaev, but I do hear you.
0: So, um, but I'm, yeah, I'm kind of at a picket there. I, I guess I, I guess I agree with you. I'm just, I think that one's a tough call. Um, know. my next pick I'm going to go with, oh my God, what's this guy's first name? I'm going to go with Sergey Spivak over Marcin Tabura. Uh, I'm done picking Tabura after being impressed with his, his toughness, um, over a, a few fights. I no longer trust him and, and Spivak <sighs> looked, uh, looked, if I recall, looked, um, surprisingly good. Um, in his last fight, he had a, he had a, a round two arm choke, uh, arm triangle choke against Tai Taiwusa. Yes. He lost to Walt Harris in 50 seconds, but what we didn't know at that time, um, was that Walt Harris has turned into, um, you know, a total wrecking machine. He beat, uh, in 12 seconds, Alexi Lenick um, shortly thereafter. So I don't really, uh, I don't. I don't. We know how tough Olenek is, right? Especially the way we just saw him fight. Um, I don't think losing that match uh, speaks to Spivak's um, ability or, or toughness. And I think he's. Um, I think he's a. T- I think he's a very tough out for Tabora, who's lost four of five. His only win coming to Stefan Struve. Who, how you feel about you know Stefan Struve still fighting is uh, might say a lot about your character.
1: Yeah, I hear that. Um, I agree. He's one of four in his last five. He hasn't been looking good, but those losses have been to very skilled opponents Augusto Sakai, Shamil Abdurrahima, Derek Lewis, Fabricio Verdum. These are guys with serious talents, guys with serious strengths. uh, Whereas, you know, the main strength that we've seen for Sergei Spivak so far is those kind of judo throws. Which he was able to leverage very effectively in his last matchup in enemy territory against Vasa. So I do agree with you on the pick, and uh, I have a little bit of confidence in it for mostly because of uh, the way the Boras look lately. Uh, so we're on the same page. That was going to be my next pick as well, Nikolai. My next one is going to be Jordan Griffin. I believe this is my fifth pick of the night, Nick. I. I like TJ Brown. I think he's very skilled on the ground. He is fairly dynamic overall, honestly. His his striking is pretty good skill-wise. The problem with him is that he doesn't have a very good chin like at all. He gets hurt frequently enough, and I don't know that that's going to fly in this matchup here. the The thing about him is that he actually trains very closely with Bryce Mitchell. TJ Brown does. Um, he's got kickboxing experience on top of his MMA experience. Obviously he's a pressure fighter, man, through and through, but Griffin is so fucking aggressive. He's super fast. He hits very hard. He is dynamic on the floor. His first couple of matchups in the UFC, let's face it, we're against really tough guys and it's tough to expect anybody in their first two fights in the UFC to beat guys on that level. So I am, uh, I am, I'm, I'm liking Jordan Griffin in the matchup here. What do you think?
0: I had the same pick, but it was going to be my last pick, um, and for and for the same reasons. I've got, uh, for my next pick, I'm going to take a real gamble here. Um, you know, we heard a lot about English prospect Tom Breeze for, for several years, and he's dropped out of a number of fights uh, because of anxiety issues, but he seems really talented. He did well in Bama. Um, I believe he had a a pretty solid, uh, knockout about a year, year and a half ago against Dan Kelly. He has lost a split, you know, split decision, but he's, uh, you know, he's a talented, uh, he's a talented guy, six, three, um, you know, pretty big dude, even at, at, 185. And I think that he should, he's got the ability to win this fight. My fear in picking him honestly, is that he doesn't show up or he drops out and I'm down a pick.
1: Yeah, I, I don't blame you for having those concerns. Uh, he's got some issues with anxiety. I think he had to pull out of a fight literally like the day of once because of anxiety, and he's had injuries since then. So a lot of stuff for Tom Brees to deal with. But he's a talented, fast, tall guy for the division. And Brendan Allen has looked pretty talented thus far. I mean, overall, too. He's 13-3 and three in his career, One to know in the UFC against the guy who's had a pretty successful UFC career thus far in uh, Kevin Holland. He got a second round submission over the guy who honestly had very close competitive decisions with everyone else that he fought in the promotion. So he looked good, man. I, I can see his ground game coming through here against a Tom Breeze who's kind of got that deer in the headlights thing going but Tom breeze does train with a really solid team with Tristar and Faraz hobby, and that crew, at least as far as the last time I checked his entire social media game, Nick is gone. Like you can't, there's no Facebook, there's no Instagram. There's nothing for Tom breeze anymore, which also kind of concerns me. So I'm glad you made this pick. And this was literally the last pick on the list for me, just cause it's hard to be sure on the guy, but I do agree with the pick very, very tentatively. Uh, my next one, Nick, I'm, I mean, we're down to two like real pick-ems here. Um, my next one is going to be Alan Cruz to beat Spike Carlisle. Cruz is significantly bigger. I mean, he's got it's something like five seven to six feet uh, of yep. a size difference here. On top of that, Cruz does a really good job of keeping the range. These guys' record are very similar: eight and one for Carlisle and eight and two for Alan Cruz. I like Cruz's performance on uh, Dana White's Contender Series, but I do like that carlisle is just a gritty move forward pressure fighter he can finish you on the feet with some crazy spinning shit he can finish you on the ground with ground and pound but he's done that largely to lower level of competition than alan cruz has beaten thus far and uh, one more thing about spike he trains at king's mma which for southpaws is about as good as it gets and he does spend quite a bit of time in the southpaw stance Uh, i like the taller cruz here to keep him at a distance piece him up at range and possibly take a decision here
0: uh, I agree, I agree. I had th- I had that same pick, and I was perf- I was gonna do that next, but instead, because it's gone, and I'm down to one pick. I'm gonna take um, Gabriel Silva over uh, over Kyler Phillips. Um, I just think that like Silva coming off going of going the distance with Ray Borg, um, and having you know some UFC experience, it, it counts for a little bit more. Than what Kyler Phillips is bringing to the table. He's coming off of a win at, at LFA, um, and then two losses before that. One an exhibition fight on the Ultimate Fighter um, after that. After season twenty-seven, and then to the eventual winner, Brad to Brad Katona, yeah, and then a uh, a loss to a guy named uh, to Victor Henry. Um, at a, at a CX, a CXF event. So I'm just like, you know, you've been through three rounds with, with Ray Borg in the cage and now you're fighting in Norfolk, uh, you know, and you're slightly favored. It just feels like from a, a, psych, from a psychological position, um, you know, Phillips would have to show Silva an awful lot that he didn't experience going the distance with Borg. Um, I think that's going to count for something and I've got him as my choice.
1: Yeah, we. This is actually the first time I think in a long time that you and I had every single pick down the middle exactly the same. Very unusual for us. I agree on Gabriel Silva. Uh, he's Eric Silva's brother. Trains with a pretty decent team in Brazil. I think it's uh, Team Nogueira actually.
0: I didn't know that. Didn't know that it was his brother.
1: Huh. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we, which I, I don't know if heart is a genetic thing, a lack of heart. But if it is, then uh, Silva may be in trouble. Kyler Phillips is actually a pretty skilled guy. Um, it looks like the more dynamic, more athletic opponents are what give him trouble. Um, I could see it going either way, but I did also give the slight edge to Gabriel Silva, who had a somewhat, was, who had a pretty competitive first seven or so minutes against uh, Ray Borg, who's ranked at 135 and and for good reason. So on the same page in that one, Nick, I'm quickly going to run down our picks for the listeners. Uh, my first pick was uh, Felicia Spencer. My second pick, Megan Anderson. Third, I took Luis Pena fourth Magomed Ankalaev and fifth I had Jordan Griffin and my final pick was Alan Cruz Nick your picks were uh, Grant Dawson first Ismail Naurdiev as your second pick you picked Joseph Benavidez third Sergei Spivak fourth number five was Tom Brees, and six was Gabriel Silva Nick I like that my bottom three picks you picked and I got five of my top six so I'm well, you, ad,
0: you had you good first pick, man. That's how it goes. Like, we'll see. We'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, yes, sir. Very curious how it turns out. I, I look forward. You know what, Nick? Even if you, I look forward to congratulating you with the win, man. It'll hey, well, you and all to-
0: this, You well, you had all the same picks as me, so it's it's kind of you know.
1: Well, it's true, but I do think prioritizing. Uh, the the picks and like we essentially pick them in the order that we're more sure of right so that prioritization is really what separates the men from the boys in this competition I think
0: yeah yeah it's like I'm going to uh, prioritize a front, a front kick to your face Nick I'm six foot four and you're like five six uh i five, soaking wet five eight and a half and
1: uh, I have a stool <laughs> fair enough fair enough i you know what nick my defense is overall pretty good but i, I can see you sneaking one on me especially if i'm like walking down uh, midtown and you just like surprise me out of nowhere i could see it working it's possible I'm like, I'm like wait stan stay there while i get this stool ready. <laughs> yes i could see that maybe if i'm looking down on my phone and i'm approaching you standing on a stool nick this can work
0: yeah all right
1: You got got a break?
0: Yeah, you got. And then we'll talk about uh, how you want to talk people out of their money. Okay.
1: That's right. That is exactly right. Nick, the bookies can thank me later. We'll be back. And we are back to the MMA Geek Sea level Podcast, here to get into our betting recommendations this entire year. My three events of betting recommendations have not gone well, so I'm going to lower the amount that I'm investing this time. I'm going to recommend slightly uh, lower investments so that people would take less risk on my recommendation. I expect to get back on track here shortly, but man, after last year in which I was absolutely destroying it, um, this is hard to take, quite frankly. I recommend a bet on Felicia Spencer to finish the fight at minus 195. She's a huge favorite at minus 800 if you just bet her straight. But I expect that it's likely she can get a submission here. So I recommend $60 to win. You know what? Fuck that. I recommend $30 to win 21. Uh, I recommend a bet, a straight bet on Spivak, minus 120, $30 to win 25. Uh, straight bet on Nardiev, $31 to win 25 and a parlay on Megan Anderson and Luis Pena, $40 to win 49 That will do it for me, Nick, as far as my bets. Do you have anything for the listeners this week? Uh,
0: no, I mean, if I really, really was going to say something, I would go with a parlay, a Benavidez-Nordiev parlay. Um, I would put down like 20 bucks on that.
1: I will jot that down for you. Now, there were a couple of fight announcements uh, recently that we can kind of quickly cover. Uh, Shogun versus Noguera three. Um, it it's not like super exciting to see the third installment of this fight, but I recommend to all the listeners out there who have fight pass, who have you know a a, a internet access and can Google the damn fight to watch Shogun versus Noguera one. That was my single favorite fight for the first many years of my MMA fandom. That tournament that Shogun ended up winning was the reason that Shogun became my favorite fighter when I was, you know, a, kind of an MMA neophyte as far as being a fan is concerned. Probably before I ever started training, this was such an exciting fight. It took place on the feet, on the ground, the wrestling, the jujitsu, the the striking. It was just phenomenal to watch, and I highly recommend everyone go watch that before they have to sit through the third fight, which will probably be depressing. Also, Cejudo versus Aldo, Nick is official. What are your feels on
0: that? I don't like it.
1: Yeah, it's it's weird, man.
0: One thirty-five is busy. One thirty-five's got a lot of guys um, with incredible skills, and Aldo's fought there once and lost. He fought a he fought a really exciting fight, Um, you know, but he didn't he didn't win. So. Look, I'm looking at the 135 rankings. Let's just see who should have gotten that shot. I mean, I guess it can't be. Morace just fought for the title and got, uh, got stomped, right?
1: Yeah. Um, um, it's it's it is. I mean, uh, Morace has you know beat Aldo since, and I mean did, Jan. Th- this great like, situation is happening now. I guess Jan for who? For the for the this I fight mean, or next? No, for, um, no, no. I'm thinking of
0: who instead of Aldo should get a title shot. Oh uh, uh, yeah,
1: I mean yeah, Marais did just lose to the actual champion. That's a good point. Yeah, it couldn't really be him. Let me look at the rankings. I mean, Jan
0: and yeah, there's Jan, there's Sterling, there's Sandhagen who missed out on that Edgar fight. I mean, there isn't any super clear-cut guy. They all feel like they're one fight away. So I mean, maybe
1: maybe there's no harm in it. I guess. Yeah, I'm not seeing. I mean, Pedro Munoz is on a bit of a streak. He's been looking really good for a while now. But yeah, outside of that, you're right. Like Aldo Sterling, quite frankly, should be a contender at this point. He's coming off of a couple. of Oh, impressive he he wins. is. It's
0: just the question is, does he have the signature win, or um, you know, is Jimmy Rivera is a fight against? Uh, well, he he beat Munoz, right? He beat yeah, he beat Munoz and he beat Rivera. Like, yeah, I think I think Sterling is is more deserving of a title fight right now than uh, Jose Aldo is.
1: He's coming off of uh, two top five or five to eight range wins in a row over Jimmy Rivera and Pedro Munoz. Neither of those fights were competitive. He basically did whatever he wanted. And Pedro Munoz is, in my opinion, as good as it gets in the division. Jimmy Rivera is as skilled as it gets. So, yeah, I think probably him if no one else.
0: They're just pretending that Aldo won that fight.
1: Yeah, essentially. And here's the thing. Looking at MMA decisions, it was split. About half and half, right? Nine journalists thought that Mariz deserved it, and exactly nine thought that Aldo deserved it. Twenty-nine, twenty-eight. Oh, anyway. that's not a robbery. No, definitely not a robbery. But if you look at that fight, and you tell me that Aldo won the second and third rounds, I don't know. Or, or I'm sorry, was it? Maybe it was. Maybe it was the first round that that. Uh, it might have been the first round that Marais won and then the yes. last round that Marais really put it on him. Aldo had a good second round, if I remember correctly. But yeah, like just because Aldo did well in the second round and everybody expected him to get plastered for some reason, you know, lowering that bar goes a long way. It's the same in politics, right? You lower the bar, you you uh, pronounce that your candidate is only supposed to place in the top five and he or she places in the top three. Suddenly, it's a huge accomplishment. It was maybe that, that having a bit of an effect here. Also, I think it was... Negotiation between Dana White and Henry Cejudo, who is an entertaining champion if nothing else, and demands very specific kinds of matchups—matchups match-ups that will guard our interests, that'll uh, line his pockets—and I respect that. I guess it's—it's
0: it's not that different from G. From, uh, it's not that different from Bisping-Henderson, to be honest.
1: I agree. Where they kind of did, uh, they kind of did Bisping a favor and gave him a matchup that he could, you know, he could likely win and, and also avenge and you know had a bit of a storyline to it. You're right. Um, the thing about it is, I think Barrais probably said, "You give me this matchup, I'll give up that flyweight title." I assume that's the deal that the UFC and him made. is not eager to fight any regular contenders like Marais anymore. He wants names. He's always asked for names ever since he was in that title conversation. So he's getting his name here. And I hope after this he defends it against somebody like Sterling, who I think will probably end up getting matched up with Peter Yan or something.
0: Yeah. And there's some other fights. we got uh, JoJo's getting the fight against Shevchenko.
1: That's right. Uh, that's, uh, that's pretty big. Unfortunately, JoJo has to get beat up by Shevchenko. But... Maybe she'll stay safe and not engage.
0: Uh, no, I think it'll be—I think it'll be a kickboxing fight.
1: I think so, and, and it's really whether or not you give Shevchenko something to counter is what decides how exciting or dominant that fight is going to be for Shevchenko. I don't expect this to be much different, but JoJo is way more experienced than, in my opinion, way more skilled than a couple of the last few opponents that Shevchenko's faced off with. Of.
0: Yep, uh, I think I'm trying to remember if there's anything else that's been. Uh... Any other big fights that the made? I mean, I can't wait till next week when we discuss Adesanya and Romero. Oh um, man,
1: that's quite a card, Nick. I, I'm very much looking forward to that card. Is it an overall solid card, or or is it just kind of top heavy the main made that being solid card. Uh, Willy little... uh, yeah. Zhang versus Yoni J Jacek. That's a phenomenal fight. Oh, They're yeah. That's... Close. That's awesome. We've got Maggie coming back against. Uh, Griffin Olivera is fine Gary Brunson is good That's awesome That's a man Wait, wait, wait i I'm wait. Wait. I'm, reading the best, I'm reading the